Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Holy beef brisket, Batman. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's us. We're back again. Who is we? That man chuckling right there is Jack. (laughs) I'm Kenyatta, and we are back with you for another week of saving the world from itself. I'm sorry, (laughs) the the holy beef brisket guy. (laughs) I try to keep it spicy. So (laughs) I try. I'm glad you approve. (laughs) I I appreciate that. That's twice today that you've got me. Of course, earlier it was when you did the, uh, oh, the Reverend from Coming to America on American Idol. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw, I saw that somewhere else. I was like, I have to post this because he's a, he, he's probably the only imaginary friend of the podcast we have is Randy Watson. <laughs> yeah. So we have to pay homage every, can, every time we can. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> That boy good. <laughs> anyway, as you as you know, uh it's us here again. We're gonna we're gonna dive into all the the lately lately going on goings on is there all there's always something. Literally. It never always stops. Something. It never stops. And having said that then, Jack, what uh what's your WTF today? Well, um, this one is sort of, well, disgusting, perhaps. Uh, this is from Only Sky Media, reported by Hemet Meta. And here goes. A second grader was kicked out of Victory Christian Academy in Jacksonville, Florida, after her parents refused to participate in an assignment that involved taking a picture of their child doing reading homework in the bathtub. When you you all heard that correctly, mm. <laughs> when Mother Misty Dunham saw the assignment from teacher Irene Castanega, she wrote a note back to the teacher saying her eight year old daughter would do no such thing. And she it says, I emailed the teacher. Hey, you may want to explain that sending something out to the parents or send something out to the parents. Let them know what the intentions are. This just does not sound OK. Misty Dunham said she did send out a message saying you should be in pajamas, be in your uniform, have fun with it. But it just didn't sit right. You think? Uh. (laughs) So, and then it said actually what the teacher wrote according to the police report was we have been sending this homework assignment home for years and you're the only one complaining about it. Just cover your child in pillows or pajamas then. I'm sorry. The police report? Well, yeah, the mom filed a police report, I guess, after they kicked the kid out of school. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And okay. so it's like, uh, what the hell were people sending her in the past? Which is a very valid question, right? Why, why are you amassing a picture database of second graders reading in the bathtub? Why would, why is that even a thing? Right. Why but, is that, 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and the school says the goal, or if the goal was to have a little fun with the reading homework by having Victory Christian Academy parents take pictures of their kids reading in the bathtub with clothes on and no running water, that should have been specified. It wasn't. When Dunham spoke with the other parents about the situation, they were equally flippant, saying things like, just cover your child up with something. Everyone is treating the mom as if she's ruining the fun, rather than admitting she has a point. And when they reached out to the school's administration um, to document their concern, and that's when they reached out to the local sheriff's office as well, they kicked the kid out of the school. <sighs> and the, uh, the pastor who runs the school explained to one of the local reporters that it was an innocent uh, misunderstanding the hell it was i don't know how they got away with having that as an activity for as long as they did right i, I can't fathom <laughs> what the purpose of including that in a child's homework what what yeah uh, <laughs> i'm at a loss i i'm, I'm trying to figure out why they punished the child yeah. because the the child's mother had a uh, a very valid objection to this. Well, I would say the appropriate <laughs> objection and response. <laughs> yeah, basically, no, we won't. We ain't doing this. No, I don't care if she's dressed. I'd be like, uh, no, no, just, just no. It makes zero sense. You could have easily said, "Hey, include a picture of yourself reading at the dinner table or reading on the couch or." or on in the backyard, under yeah, the tree. something. Why the bathtub? That's creep. That, that's creeptastic. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's and oddly specific. Yes. <laughs> on top of it, it <sighs> you know, for it is a Christian school, so chances are they're they It's an evangelical school, so chances are they like for, uh, orange people that are former presidents and they're always complaining that people on the left are groomers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Taking a picture of a kid in a bathtub and sending it to school seems pretty groomery to me. I don't think dog groomers are that groomery. <laughs> no. I I mm -mm. nope. I'll 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 say this is my my original response. When you had had posted this on social media last week, uh, all of that response that mom wrote on the little worksheet, I would have I have summed it up simply by saying "nah." Yeah, and I I spelled that capital N A H nah. Yeah, the way I nah. would have spelled "nah" would have been F U C K N O. Also acceptable. <laughs> Because that's saying that is not nearly as vulgar as vulgar to me as suggesting that that's an acceptable activity for kids to do at home. I don't care. I don't care. I don't. Yeah. It does. It doesn't. And like I like I said, I can't. I can't begin to imagine how the school got away with doing that year after year after year. How, yeah. How did nobody think? You know, this seems a bit squeegee. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We want children that to learn that reading is cool and you can do it anywhere and you know what you can read in the bathtub while taking a bath 
negative. But you don't take pictures of it and send it to your teacher. That is, no, unacceptable. We're not, we're not even entertaining the thought. Not even a little bit. I, um. Yeah, that's, uh, I, that has just been bothering me ever since I read that mm-hmm. 10 days ago, whatever it was. Yeah. So. It was, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty disturbing to put it mildly. I had to look at it twice. And then, you know, squint my eyes up to see exactly what mom wrote over off on the side. I was like, that's too much. That's too much. Yeah, it just, mm-mm, it, mm-mm, mm-mm. it just seems like, why, why, I, I just, I can't get past the assignment. I, and like the rest of the assignment from, you know, the part of the worksheet that's shown in the post looks pretty innocuous. But then right there, like the second activity is, yeah, take a picture. Maybe saw Reed in the bathtub. Wait, what? Whoa. Whoa. Wait a minute. No. No. It's almost like, show yourself reading while, you know, smoking a blunt. I <laughs> Right? I would actually be more okay with the second grader reading smoking the blunt than the, the, the picture in the bathtub. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I can't, I can't imagine why this is ever found to be acceptable. Why people just said... Oh, it's, it's something fun. And I suspect that someone on the school side of it was like, well, it's their sick mind, their sick mind, you know, the parents sick mind thinking this is something gross. It's not our fault. Yes, it is. Don't, don't put that back on that parent or any other parent that has a problem with something like that. They're not the ones making an issue of it. It's the fact that you didn't make an issue out of it and leave that shit off is the problem. But yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Icky. Incredibly icky. Mm, mm, so, mm. if you're uh, listening to this, feel free to write Victory Christian Academy in Jacksonville an email and tell them you were wrong. <laughs> or just say, nah. They'll know what you're talking about. They'll know. <laughs> <laughs> just a whole bunch of nahs. Nah, 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 nah. Matter of fact, include a gif of old girl from Get Out. Where she's shaking her head. No, 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 no. That. They'll yes, get it. Yes. They'll get yes, it. They'll yes. get it. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Whew. Now that I've, maybe now that I've talked about it on the podcast, it'll, I'll quit dwelling on it outside of the podcast. Now that it's out, and now it's out in the atmosphere, it's dispersed. So. Yeah. Listening it's- friends, if it bothers you for the next 10 days, I'm both sorry and not sorry. Because these. Pretty good WTF material. Yeah, these are the things that are happening quietly in some corner of the world. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, so what joy are you going to bring to the, the program? A <laughs> <laughs> little, little bit different, but <laughs> as equally as befuddling, I think. This is from an article that I read early last month in September. And I put a pin on it so I could bring it up, you know, at some point or another during this very segment. Uh, so as most of us here in the States know, next month, November 2022 marks midterm elections and various states have various issues and candidates on the ballot. There, um, there's going to be something a little bit extra though on the ballots for five states. Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont. Okay. Their citizens will have the opportunity to decide on state constitutional amendments 
prohibiting slavery and involuntary servitude, in some cases except for work by incarcerated people. Advocates say that amendments are needed to strip antiquated language from state constitutions and to potentially transform the criminal justice system by making all work in prisons voluntary. Now, I know everybody's saying, but, but 13th Amendment. Yes, 13th Amendment, which prohibited slavery except for incarcerated individuals. Hmm. Right, which is why they get away with paying them 10 cents an hour. Correct. And that particular so-called loophole or exception clause in the amendment allowed uh, 19th century laws down south, which were known as black coats, right. which allowed law enforcement to go around and just randomly arrest black people for petty crimes or really no crimes at all, arrest them, put them in prison, and force them to work. I, I think the crime was the color of their skin. Correct. Correct. Most often. So... In having individual states vote to update and eliminate antiquated languages in their own constitutions, there's now, they're hoping to have an eventual push to have the 13th Amendment altered in the same way, removing that bit about prisoners being made, right. yeah. uh, made to work. Yeah. And in turn, like you said, eliminating paying prisoners 10 cents an hour to do labor. And if they want to work, they should be allowed to work. Now, how far that kind of initiative will go on a federal level, uh, I don't know. But this is, yeah. a in- this is the interesting thing that these five states are not the only ones that have had something like that in their state constitution that they've had to uh, update or reword. Right, right. So I find it interesting. Here we are in the year of our Lord, 2022, and there are still states talking about, wait a minute. This doesn't sound right, especially because the federal government said this. And I guess a lot of them kept that on their own state books because of that loophole in there that said prisoners can be made to work. That's what they're trying to get away from. Me personally, I'd love to see where this goes. Maybe a year or two or five. You know, nothing happens overnight as far as governments are concerned, whether it's state or federal. So it'll be interesting to see if this catches traction on a greater scale. But I found yeah. that interesting. Yeah, governments tend to move at the speed of snail. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we've you know talked about on this podcast many a time is laws need to be gone through and modernized. And antiquated stuff like that needs to be removed from the codes of both state and federal. Mm-hmm. And so ha- most of the time that crap doesn't happen. So I'm... I'm, you know, obviously to me, it's a couple hundred years or, you know, too late, but mm-hmm. I guess it's nice to go ahead and do it in the year of our Lord 2022. Um, unfortunately, with the makeup of our current Supreme Court, they may, they may decide to make that amendment unconstitutional. <laughs> so. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't like the way the 13th Amendment sounds all of a sudden. Yeah, that's so. unconstitutional. Yeah. The founding fathers didn't want that. They would have, if they wanted that, they would have included it originally. In, indeed, indeed. And I should, I should, uh, plug that this particular, my particular WTF relates back to our May 12th episode on prison labor programs. Yes. So this is something that could directly affect how those kinds of things are implemented in the future. Again, 
I'm interested to see where it goes, but things being what they are, that's why we do what we do here, folks. So Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also gonna keep an eye out on how that goes. And I would you said it was five states? What were the states again? It was because I would hope that all five would <laughs> you know. I would hope so. <laughs> Like, do we really need to get rid of it, guys? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont. Okay, so I, I'm fairly confident in Oregon and Vermont. Tennessee, maybe. <laughs> but when you get deep, deep south for, you know, the Bamas and Louisiana, mm, Man, I, I hate to be that way. I really, mm, I, I do. I, really I, do. I, I do, too. I do, too. I do too, and it it almost sounds like we're piling on or dogging on the south. I'm I'm really not because I'm I you know half my people from the yeah. south. So right. and I don't I don't want it to sound that way. It's just based on the last few years, mm-hmm. it does give you pause. It does. It just so happens that three states, uh, Colorado, Nebraska, and Utah, had um, approved similar ballot initiatives since. 2018. So there's some precedent there yeah. for, you know, going in and cleaning up that language to to get away from the idea of involuntary servitude being perfectly right. acceptable. I would have to look into um like say Oklahoma because, you know, we were became a state in 1907, so that was way after all of that and I would be interested or interested to see if there was what how that was worded in our constitution. Obviously, slavery wouldn't be in there, but in terms of uh, prison prisoner work, mm-hmm. that would be interesting to find out. I'm sure. I'm sure Virginia has something because you know Virginia was one of the ones back in the day. So there may be still something in the Commonwealth state constitution alluding to that as well. So that'd be interesting to come back and report yeah. these things. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. There well, it is. Now that we've Hope, you know, gone through and talked about that. I guess we should move on to the important stuff of those of us that are living in the here and now and full-blown color of the world. (laughs) That's a perfect segue. Look at you. (laughs) I thought it was horrible, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. (laughs) Because listening friends... Even though if you've been with us for the long haul, you know, primarily we tend to talk about the state of the world, how things used to be and how things are now. We kind of, you know, vary in between. Every now and then, though, as you heard a little bit a while ago, we we dabble in the pop culture. So we got a little something special to talk about today. There we go. And listening friends, if that isn't enough of a hint for you, 
<laughs> Today, we're going to delve into what a lot of people consider a groundbreaking uh, variety skit show in the early 90s called In Living Color. And yep. what, what you just heard was the very catchy intro song that was done by Heavy D and the boys. Rest in peace, Heavy D. Um, the show actually ran about five seasons. Let's see. Um, it started when we were in high school. Yeah, 19... Question is... Oh, I'm sorry. It, was it our junior or senior years? Hmm. Actually, the series premiered April 15th, 1990. Ran for five seasons. And its final episode aired May 19th of 1994. Okay. Created by Keenan Ivory Waynans, who was also a writer... And acted in the show. And, and and the creator of the show that we've or movie we've discussed before in our black exploitation. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you sucker. Yes. And as a matter of fact, uh he was basking in the success of that very movie in nineteen eighty-eight when Fox, the network, not the news program, uh approached him about creating a television show. So what he had in mind at first was, oh, maybe they want to do something like a sitcom, like a la Cosby show or something like that. No, they were looking at something like a skit show, something like SNL, let's say. Right. He caught on to that. He liked the idea. And not only did he base and live in color on SNL, but also he had the old show, I think, from the 50s, 60s, Laugh-In. Mm-hmm. Yep. He also he also used that show as inspiration. So once they approached him, he said, "Hmm, what can I do with this?" <laughs> um, they got they got people together. His brother uh, Damon was part of the cast for a, a very long time, and yep. he he knew a fled a fellow fledgling comedian by the name of Jim Carrey. I think he ended up with a small career. He did. He did. He did a few things. He did a few things. Yeah, a few, a few assisting roles and a couple things. Yeah, a couple things. And Damon says, "Hey, Jim, my brother's putting together this TV show. Why don't you come down and see what it's all about?" Jim was like, "Yeah." So they put together a pilot in let's see, nineteen eighty nine, I believe. Fox executives took a look at it and they were like, "Wow, this is a lot," because that pilot consisted of. Three skits, The Homeboy Shopping Network, The Wrath of Farrakhan, and Men on Films. <laughs> Men on Films would not fly today. <laughs> mm, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> but um, Wayne's showed the executives at Fox, and they were a little nervous, but they liked the idea of uh, being a little controversial, having people tune in just to see what the hubbub was about. Right. They they only got what they were looking for because Fox was so nervous about putting on the air. The pilot actually sat on the shelf for about six months before they decided to go ahead and give the show a green light. So, as we mentioned, in, in the spring of 1990, the show premiered with those three skits. And it was just about an immediate success because what the show was doing at the time was, yeah, it was SNL, but... Spicier, tangier, right. sassier, and it was giving a lot of black comedians a showcase to finally get in there and show what they had going on. And the thing of it was, 
the title itself in living color was a pull from NBC's old line of shown to you now in living color. Right. And Wayne's in the cast wanted to do, they wanted to push the boundaries every single episode, every single, they wanted to do something different and, and have people talking the next day. So men on films was an example of them almost pushing too far. And when they first proposed the idea, they had a, you know, a Fox executive come in and I don't think I like this. So they invited the executive to come see them film a show live so they could actually see them perform the men on film skit. They let it go in. And like you mentioned, Jack, that kind of thing went fly today and not without good reason. I can see why, but. A lot of people were divided on skits like that, that Living Color went back to time and time again. Some people enjoyed it a great deal, even those in the LGBTQ community. They thought it was hilarious. David Allen Greer, who played one half of the Men on Films duo, said that he had created his character based on folks in the LGBT community that he had worked with before. And he he exaggerated some, but it wasn't like, you know, they were, it wasn't like they were making fun of them which is what a lot of people took it as. And I can see why I get that part at the same time though. And as I was researching some of the sources I saw uh, and did some, some interviews and background talks with members of the cast and crew and what Keenan Ivory Wayne had said, there wasn't any point, no matter who we talked about, if we were talking about a celebrity or a certain community, we weren't mocking them. We weren't making fun, but we wanted to present it in a way that was fun and entertaining. And again, not just necessarily the men on films do well, but every character that they thought up throughout the show. Just yeah. saying, and you, you know, we can litigate it now, you know, 30 some years later and say, that wasn't really cool. But back in the day, we enjoyed it. I mean, it wouldn't have been on as long as it had if we didn't. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If I were to watch a men on films skit now, I would, I would laugh. <laughs> gonna lie either in 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 retrospect i get why people wouldn't like it at the same time i understand why or i understand that waynes and family they weren't trying to make fun of them or degrade them in any kind of way no 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 not at all no but like like you said again it's not something that would fly today because not because people are more sensitive it's because more people have more outlets to express their opinions on certain things and that's not that's not wrong either but this kind of, it goes to the idea of, you know, what, what, what is comedy free to do nowadays? It depends, right. you know, but I, I digress. I won't go too far off into, to that spiel, but I have to go back though and mention, uh, one of the skits on the pilot episode called The Wrath of Farrakhan. <laughs> their, their Louis Farrakhan bits were always so funny. Hilarious. Damien Waynans did uh, an incredible impersonation of Minister Louis Farrakhan, who was at the time the head of the Nation of Islam. And the skit was basically Farrakhan and his people boarding the USS Enterprise and forcing a mutiny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Jim Carrey played Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was a hilarious mess, and but it it goes to show how talented these people were and still are, you know, up until this day. Just it was yeah. so much. It was a, it, it was an immense amount of talent, especially for the first few seasons. So yeah, well, we've discussed before how 
In Living Color ruined Malcolm X for me. <laughs> if you'll recall, because yes. when the move, when Spike Lee's movie about uh, Malcolm X came out, played by the fantastic Denzel Washington in that film, In Living Color did a skit where, you know, they took the, the merchandising of movies. And so Spike Lee had all of the merchandising for Malcolm X and some of the products were Malcolm X lacks. <laughs> but they were other Spike Lee movies too. So there was, uh, he had the movie Mo Better. So there was Mo Better Butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ever since then, when someone says Malcolm X, my first thought is Malcolm X likes. It and ruined me, but blame the Wayans brothers. <laughs> I will. I will. I mean, it, it was that influential that we can remember this stuff off the top of our heads 30 years later. Yeah, and yeah. let me also say Spike Lee remembers too, because he had a real problem with how, <laughs> with how they depicted him in the show. <laughs> Wait, the thing is, is that the Waynans, they were equal opportunity. Like they right. came for all this, especially the black celebrities. They came for Spike. They came for Whitney Houston. They came for Arsenio Hall. They came for. Oh, they're Arsenio Hall, Arsenio Beckman. Sorry. Mm. Those were some hilarious kids and Keenan Ivory Wayans played him hilarious so perfectly <laughs> hilarious so in addition to Keenan Keenan Ivory again who was a creator one of the head writers and acted in the show the cast included they have a big family now the Wayans do but yes. <laughs> uh his the particular the particular siblings involved in the show were Damon Sean who was actually the show's DJ and he went by SW1 and their sister, Kim. Yes. So the original cast members uh, that started off in 1990 were Jim Carrey, Kelly Coldfield, Kim Coles, who later ended up on a fabulous little sitcom called Living Single, mm-hmm. yes. Tommy Davidson, David Allen Greer, Takea Crystal Kema, and of course, Damon Waynans. Only Jim, Tommy, David, and Takea stayed for the entire five-season run. So somewhere near the end of season three, Keenan uh, started butting heads with Fox executives over censorship, how they felt like they, that the, the network was coming in and censoring certain things that he didn't think needed to be. And they started butting heads over it. And plus the fact that Fox, in an effort to ramp up profits, started running reruns already by season right. three, which is kind of unusual Unless the, when it, when the show is a success, a network would try to rerun it as much as possible. But Keenan felt like the time frame in which they started doing it kind of sapped its originality. Is that when they brought in Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx came in season three. Okay. And uh, Keenan actually ended up exiting at the end of season three. He came in at the very beginning of season four. Um, and so did Damon. Damon was a featured performer during season four and left all together at the end of season four. But then their other brother, Marlon, came in as a featured player during season four. Okay. Both Kim and Sean left at the end of season four. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. As much of a fan as I am of the show still, the quality of it did dive a little somewhere midway season four. It wasn't yeah. the same. It wasn't. No. It wasn't quite the same. You're you're exactly <clears throat> right. It, it was like the some of the spark left on some of the cast. Yeah, yeah, it really did. So 
in addition to this fantastic cast of comedic actors, we also had a little something called the Fly Girls, which was a troop of uh, female dancers that danced in and out to commercial breaks, along with the help of SW1. Yes. So the original dancers, when the show first started, included Carrie French, Carrie Ann Inaba, who has been a Dancing with the Stars judge since 2005, Deja Lang, the only dancer that stayed all five seasons, Lisa Marie Todd, Michelle Whitney Morrison, and choreographer Rosie Perez. Yes. Which, listening friends, if you don't know Rosie Perez, shame on you. And, and well, just to give you a visual... Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. She does the amazing opening credit scenes of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. So, and also in White Men Can't Jump, correct? Yes, she was. She played Woody Harrelson's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Yes, and she still acts and stuff today. She does. She does. She she stays quite busy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's one particular. There's one person in particular that showed up in season three, and that would be. Jennifer Lopez. She went on to do a couple of things, you know. She uh, might yeah, she, be slightly of note. She, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. She did a couple the, things. The truth of the matter is, in Living Color, the, especially out of the original cast, but even some of the side, they all made it as big as much as, you know, the SNL people have. Mm. You know? I, and, I, and some, in some aspects, especially in Jim Carrey's case. Oh, yeah may have transcended or transcended some of the SNL cast. But yeah, I mean the in living color cast is I mean, they all went on pretty much to have excellent careers. And in Jamie Foxx's case, did he not win an Academy Award for Ray? Yes he did. He asked and it was well deserved. I've seen that movie probably at least eight times. And I, I wouldn't mind, you know, watching it again tomorrow because he's 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 exceptional in it. Yeah, he, yeah, he's fantastic in it. So, but before we go on, though, real quick, I have to mention mm-hmm. David Allen Greer. <laughs> David Allen Greer was actually somewhat known a little bit before that came out. Mm-hmm. But in 1987, there was a spoof, a low budget movie spoof that came out called Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh my! <laughs> And the premise is some guy is trying to watch late night TV and the channel on this TV keeps going staticky and changing to other stuff. And it's almost like he's turning the channels. Um, Arsenio Hall is in this movie. Oh, my. And um, in his particular skit, he gets home from work. He's tired. The phone keeps ringing. The person keeps asking for Thelma. And he's like, yeah, you've got the wrong number. And then he hangs up, the phone rings again, and then after, like, several minutes of the phone ringing, the last time he answers the phone, and he's like, there ain't no fucking Thelma here! (laughs) And then he steps back and falls out the window and dies. (laughs) But David Allen Greer, he plays a character called Don No-Soul Simmons. Oh, And the point was... Uh, the premise of this ad is that it was like um, United Negro College Fund, but it raised money for black people that were born with the terrible condition of no soul. <laughs> <laughs> and so in the skit, it starts out and it's David Allen Greer. And I mean, he's uh, Alphonse Rubio from <laughs> Fresh Prince times 10. 
And he's oh sitting, at the, sitting at a piano, and all of a sudden you hear, dun, 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 Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Wow. Now I'm going to, I'm putting this on my list. It is. <laughs> I'm putting this on my list. <laughs> it is so hilarious because it's like, <laughs> basically is the, the premise of this skit. And I wish I would have, you know, thought about it and I would have got the, the audio for it because when he popped up on In Living Color, I was like, oh, this is great because this guy is perfect. Because David Allen Greer is just so hilarious, which he is, if you know anything about his career. He's. Oh, yeah. Hey, Editor Jack here from the future. Um, I went ahead and pulled up some of the audio from Amazon Women on the Moon of David Allen Greer performing as Don Nosel Simmons. And there's also a uh, short uh, little bit of commentary by B.B. King. Enjoy. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still want me? If I don't see a ribbon round the old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. Did you know that every seven minutes a black person is born in this country without soul? And if you act now, you'll get free this bonus album, Don Simmons, Down and Funky. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said This two-record collection is not available in any stores, so order now Yes, he always had some mighty fine wine Oh yeah, he's, he's, let me, I'll I'll just, I'll just say this He ended up being the, the low-key MVP of, uh, Boomerang Like, seriously, his character was just, he was he was a supporting character in the movie, but the, the moments that he had, especially when he was interacting with John Witherspoon playing his father, priceless, priceless. Yeah. And, and rest in peace, uh, John Witherspoon. But David Allen Greer, he's, he's severely underrated. I need to see him do more work, truly. Oh, yeah. He is, he is a phenomenal actor and he can do it all, you know, mm-hmm. straight comedy, all of that stuff. He's, he's very funny. Yes. Been in a, t- Ton, a ton of stuff. Yes. And um I should also point out he had um a supporting role in a couple of episodes of uh, a show I I that's been on it's in its last and seventh season on uh own Oprah Winfrey Network called Queen Sugar. And yeah. he has a he has a guest, a reoccurring guest role as the ex husband of one of the main characters. And when I tell you that I've never seen David Allen Greer play a Dirty motherfucker. Woo! He had me wanting to throw stuff at the TV. I did not know he had it in him to do that. He was yeah. pitch perfect in that role. But he is an excellent actor. I need I need him in more stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, you could he is he's really good. And if you see him in something, you know that he's going to give you a great performance every time. Mm-hmm. Whether it's low key or not. Mm-hmm. You know, he he always he's an excellent actor to cast in any role. <laughs> Truly. Think. Yeah, I agree. He he really is. He really is. Yeah. Now that I've side quested us with one of my favorite characters, even though or act, actors talking about something that he was in, not related to in Living Color, but 
in a way it is because you could see from that skit where he had, you know, in in living color, why he was perfect for it from that thing that was a couple years earlier with Amazon women on the moon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, put that on your list, listening friends. Sorry, now that I've side-quested you. Excellent. You were saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you can't have a comedy sketch show without skits. So, just to run through a handful of some of the best characters and some of the better skits out of the run, in my opinion. Jack, feel free to, to step in if you remember some. I will. And in retrospect, and this is no knock to anybody else in the cast, especially, you know, the first three season cast, but Damon Wayans, he was the man, like pretty much. He, oh, yeah. Like all of his yeah. characters that he originated were incredible. How he managed to keep a straight face, I don't know. But just a few of his characters that, you know, went on a reoccurring run during the course of the show include Anton Jackson, uh, the housing displaced individual who liked to carry his, quote, personal facilities with him, i.e. Yes. A, jar, a giant jar with, <laughs> with what had to be a pickle, but it gave the impression it was something else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he also had a uh, homie D. Clown. If you know the catchphrase. Uh, homie don't play that. And he used to like what to whack stupid little children over the head when they said dumb things. Yes. How he got work at children's birthday parties, I do not know. Hmm. There was no Yelp. None. None. He also was one he also was one half of the men on duo playing Blaine Edwards. And as we mentioned earlier, his impression of Minister Louis Farrakhan was ridiculous and off the chain. I, I out of all of those characters, honestly, as incorrect as it may sound, I I like his man on. I like that character he did in those kids. I can't help yep. it, especially the little hats. It was abs- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and I love it. <laughs> and every time they would re- review a film, their rating system at the end would get bigger and more elaborate. Two snaps up around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And by the end, it was like, we give it three snaps, six around the world, a twirl, a backflip. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and they expanded from the Men on Film skit to eventually include, let's see, Men on Art, Men on Books, Men on Vacation, Men on Fitness. And during the halftime of the 1992 Super Bowl, Men on Football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here's a fun fact. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. <laughs> that was a loaded skit. No pun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because if I'm remembering correctly, they had a thing for the tight end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as Keenan Ivy Waynans noted, that before then, you know, Super Bowl halftimes were really dry. You know, they had a marching band and they had some majorettes and they had ribbon twirling. And then Living Color did their halftime Super Bowl show, which Super Bowl was on CBS, you know. And, of course, the Living Color was on Fox. So as soon as, you know, the game went to halftime, switch it to Fox. Let's watch the halftime show. For which the Fox censors had a 60-second delay, just in case they need to censor something out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but apparently after and Living Color blew out the ratings for that time period during the halftime, the very next year, the NFL hires who to halftime? Michael Jackson. 
Yeah. End of story. <laughs> so if you really questioning how iconic and living color was, there's some proof right there. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, as far as uh, the remaining cast and their notable characters, we have Sister Kim Waynans, who did uh, Benita Buttrell, the nosy neighbor who spent literally all day long hanging out the window, getting into everybody's business. And her catchphrase was, but I ain't one to gossip, so you ain't heard it from me. But did you know, and then she yep. would launch into talking to some, talking about somebody in the neighborhood, and then two seconds later would see him walking out the street. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I bet she doing real good since she left her husband and them three kids at home. But I ain't one to gossip, so you ain't heard it from me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. She she was she was great. She was great. Of course, we got to come back to David Allen Greer, and one of my favorite characters of his, Calhoun Tubbs. The old blind blues singer <laughs> who would literally, like Prince, write a song about anything and would say, I wrote a song about it. Like to hear it? Here it go. Yep, and it would, yeah. be, it, would, it would be the most, it would be like two lines in the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. And he would always end it with, ah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, um, and I, I'm remiss. Because let me back up. I'm remiss because, like I said, Damon was really, he was really the man. He was almost like the beating heart of the show. And I was remiss in not mentioning one of my more favorite characters on this. Forgive me. The ridiculous convict Oswald Bates, who yeah. thought he was smart, but was not smart. And yeah, yeah. And his deal was that he spoke in what's called malapropisms which is the mistaken use of a word in place of a similar sounding one, often with unintentionally amusing effect. Jack, do we, do we have anything like that? that we, we, we may. We Maybe? may. First of all, we must internalize the flatulation of the matter by transmitting the effervescence of the Indonesian proximity in order to further segregate the crux of my venereal infection. Now, if I may retain my liquids here for one moment, I'd like to continue the redundance of my quote-unquote intestinal tract, see, because to preclude on the issue of world domination would only circumvent, excuse me, circumcise the revelation that reflects the aphrodisiac symptoms which now perpetrates the Jericho's activation. So, by Do not misinterpret the chauvinistic Give to the United Negro Scholarship Fund because a mind is a terrible thing to develop without help. Allow me to expose my colon once again. The ramification inflicted on the incision placed within the fallopian cavities serves to be holistic taken from the latin word jalapeno nonsense and i love it to this day <laughs> to this day yeah and um the <laughs> that character was so popular that uh, Keenan had to get in on that act as well. Mm -hmm. Which, if everyone will just 
you know, give me just a brief, a brief second. You can hear even more fantastic hilariousness. You wrong use of words. Here we go. Signing of the prohibition, you see, defecates the fluids of detention between the essence of the Euro intercourse, you see. AT&T allows you to reach out and touch someone, even when they don't get out much. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. Uh -huh. Okay, brother, okay. See, all you doing right now uh -huh. is flatulating your liquid. <laughs> because I believe it was Homo erectus right. that said... To expose the hemorrhoidal ramification uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh -huh. would mainly delineate uh -huh. the colonic office, thereby separating the gluteus from the maximus. Well, Homo was very deep, uh -huh. but you seem to masticate the proclamation, my brother. Okay. Because the gastrointestinal phlebitis prostigates the crustacean of the colostomy. Oh, go ahead. If that's your bag. <laughs> Preacher. Right. And further hindering the pyorrhea, which. Excuse has, me. Uh, you got me, brother. The diarrhea. Okay. Moving toward the angina or bajana, <laughs> depending on how much time you got. Man, you are a metamuser. I know. <laughs> Talk to me. Nonsense. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But... <laughs> it, it, like, like I said, if you can't tell me that. Again, it's no knock to any of the other performers, but Damon carried that. I'm telling you, he's he's incredible. He's he's incredible. Yeah. But um, so as far as the other cast members are concerned, that fellow that we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, named Jim Carrey. Yeah, he's had a little bit of a career, but when he started here on Living Color, he had a a few notable characters, including one or two, one or two, uh, Vera DeMilo, who. Reportedly was a woman on steroids who was a bodybuilder, but let's just say that was the most suspicious looking female bodybuilder anyone has ever seen. Yeah, to this day. <laughs> yeah, and that that's probably another skit that wouldn't mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily fly today. I don't think so, but he was probably better known as far as reoccurring characters were concerned for his portrayal of civil servant. Fire Marshal Bill Burns. Yep, yep, yep. I don't think I don't think we've had the pleasure of seeing a pyromaniac fire marshal since. Yes. Uh, Let the, me show you something. <laughs> the skit where he goes to talk to the school class and, and sets some stuff on fire. And he was he was overjoyed to be doing it. It was nonsense. It was nonsense. But when I tell you Jim Carrey had so much so much kinetic energy like he was almost bouncing off the walls every time he showed up yeah and you knew when you looked at this guy that he was really he's gonna he's gonna do some things and indeed he did during the last season of the show he was actually working on the script for ace ventura pent detective so he already had plans and he had said in uh, uh another interview that he could have left earlier than that but he was contracted for the five seasons and he stayed yeah and and from what I've heard, um, he has never hesitated to bring up Keenan Ivory Wayans in this show for giving him the jump start to his career. And I applaud him for it because, and I, I'm I'm not going anywhere with it. You can infer what you want to, but oftentimes people forget where they come from. He doesn't. 
he doesn't. So, uh, again, like I said, Jim had, you know, somewhat of a pretty good career. So we wish him continued success. And of course, I cannot forget Jamie Foxx, who we mentioned earlier, uh, with his reoccurring character that soon turned into a show favorite, Wanda Wayne, who, yeah. <laughs> who thought she was the finest thing walking. No. And I, I, I never under, I never really understood how Jamie can manage to contort his face like that and keep it that way for the entire skit. Cause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was absolutely ridiculous, but it, it was very, very, very funny. And I want to say that when Jamie put out or, you know, came out singing, people were surprised as though that was something he had never done before. Mm-mm. He had actually had an album out just before he started on In Living Color. It's very quiet as it's kept. It was a really good album because a friend of mine had it and, and she played the heck out of it. So he's been singing for years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, you know, he got into this show and it started branching out into movies and things that he came back to music. But music has been there for him for a very long time. So he's, you know, he's had a good piece of a career, too. You know, he won that award and everything. So we wish him continued luck as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's, our, our boy, Tommy Davison. Uh-huh. He, he's another one that I've always enjoyed seeing because he's so, he's like a body actor to me. He's so lanky and skinny. And he, he like, if his, if he doesn't say it in his face and body will, he's so funny to me. I don't think he's had the career that he should have either. Should have had either. He's been in stuff. I'm not not gonna lie, but it, I think he should have been bigger, a lot bigger than he was. And I, I I miss I miss the fact that he he didn't go on to bigger and better things. But he's had work. He's worked pretty continuously, mostly in um not big blockbuster movie. Probably the biggest thing that I, that I'm aware of is actually him doing voiceover work in Disney's The Proud Family. Which right. I I enjoyed very much watching it with my uh my daughter back in the day, so that was fun. But and he was course, also in the aforementioned in the podcast uh, Black Dynamite. Yes, and he was also in that Hood classic that inspired a song or was inspired by a song. Excuse me, Booty Call with fellow In Living Color alumnus Jamie Foxx. So yeah, and that. That movie co-starred Vivica Fox. And when I tell you that movie had no, had no reason to be as funny as it was and still is, there's some inappropriateness there, but funny. So, especially when you hear Jamie Foxx speak Mandarin Chinese. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> um, as far as, uh, Keenan is concerned, he doesn't do a whole lot of acting, um, as much as he does directing and writing. Um, probably his better known movie after he finished on In Living Color was Low Down Dirty Shame in 1994, where, uh, Jada Pickett Smith co-starred. Yeah. And doesn't he do one where he's like framed? He's like a military dude that's framed for something. Yes. I can't, from the top of my head, I cannot tell you exactly what it is, but I know what you're talking about. Um, that would be, I think, Most Wanted. Yes. I think it was Most Wanted. Yeah, yeah, I think and that you are was correct on that. that was 1997. Now, and I'll stop here because a lot of projects that he was involved with at this point become a family affair because Brother Marlon, which out of the Waynans, outside of Damon, Marlon comes really close to having 
about as much success as Damon does as far as in front of the camera. Because once Damon left the show, he came into some some pretty good work, including including one of my favorites, The Last Boy Scout, which I will watch every weekend if someone lets me. 1992's Mo Money, which mm-hmm. gave us the phrase Mo Money, Mo Money, Mo Money. He starred in that with uh, Brother Marlon. Uh, Major Pain in 1995. And I know it's not funny to laugh at children uh, being verbally abused, but that's a funny movie. Uh, <laughs> and then yes. uh, he has some success on television as well with a, uh, let's see, I mean, it was a five season run of a show called My Wife and Kids. Yeah. Letitia Campbell from 2001 to 2005. Yeah. I, I used to watch that show. Oh, all yeah. The time. It was a really good time. show. And he, he made that show a family affair as well. Cause he had guests, um, his brother Marlon and I think at least one of his sons guest on it occasionally. And most recently he did a three season run of an updated version of Lethal Weapon. Yep. He played, uh, gosh dang it. Why has my brain stopped working? <laughs> I, I know who you're going to say and I can't remember his name either. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Like, I haven't seen the first two Lethal Weapons, like, at least six times. <laughs> I know. He was just too old for this shit. And now I can't think of either. Roger Murtaugh. <laughs> yes. Thank yes, you. Yes, Roger Murtaugh. Yes. So that's what's going on with Damon. Um, as I mentioned, close behind him as far as overall success out of the Wayne's family is Marlon, who, after he completed on the show, uh, was in 1994's Above the Rim. One of the best hood classics ever. No one can argue me on this. Um, and what turned out to be another family affair with his brother, uh, Damon and writing by Keenan, Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah. 1996. And if you can't tell by the title, this is obviously a spoof of all those so-called in the hood movies that were pretty popular in the early nineties. Um, mm-hmm. he yep. did a, and this is just a personal recommendation. He he put in a very moving, dramatic turn in Requiem for a Dream, um, yep. co-starring Jared Leto. And they played, the two of them played uh, addicts. And I'm going to recommend that you see the movie, but not when you are feeling sad about anything. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. Yes. Make sure you are <laughs> in a very good place when you re- when you watch that movie, because it is worth watching at least once. It is a hard movie, but it's wonderfully done. And he does a really good job. And then we get to 2000, where again, we start to have the family affair movie, so to speak, that involve his brothers. Scary movie in 2000. Scary movie 2 in 2001. White Chicks in 2004. And the TV series, The Wayne's Brothers with his brother, um, Sean, between 1995 to 1999. And the late John Witherspoon as their father. Yes, so. and their father did not apparently go clothes shopping after about 1978 in that show. Clearly, because there was a lot of nylon going <laughs> on with his with his wardrobe, but and, and leisure suit yes. parts. <laughs> Correct. Correct. But that was that was a pretty funny show. That was a pretty funny show. So, like yeah. I said, the the Wayneses have stayed busy, and and it's. But not as busy as I think they should have been because you've got all this talent sitting there and that's a pretty big family. Not all of them are into showbiz. I think I want to say there's like seven Wayne's kids, I think. Yeah. And then numerous uh 
descendants, children and grandchildren, daddy, yada, yada. So it's a, it's a big family and they got a lot of talent going on. Well, yeah. Damon Wayans Jr. was on, he's been in yeah. all sorts of stuff and then he has voiced all sorts mm-hmm. of things as well. So he's, he's had a pretty decent career as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's a ton of talent in that family and I, I'm kind of baffled that, and I don't know if it's, Nobody's approaching them or the ideas that they have on getting off the ground. I don't know, but I need to see, I need to see this family get their, their fair shake again on TV. I really do. It, it won't be anything like what In Living Color was before because we're taught we're in a whole new era, but I can see them being successful in another route and making it a family affair. I would definitely be here for that. Hey, if Saturday Night Live can continue to be on the air, they can bring back In Living Color. They can. They really can't, but uh, it for those Especially of us the streaming. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm shocked that you can't really find it in streaming right now. You can find it certain places, and I'm not condoning any of that at all. But as far as you know, streaming pay for streaming sites so far, you know nobody's nobody has it. So yeah. that's I feel cheated, and and everyone everyone should feel cheated for not having it yes. on streaming. Exactly. So and you know what. Owner of the rights of In Living Color, you know, there's Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, Amazon, Apple TV, Peacock, Paramount, whatever the CBS Paramount thing is. Paramount, yeah. HBO th- Max. Somebody and you guys need to have some talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, bring back the original crew, but get Keenan involved and I think it will be successful. It will, it will do something. I, he has I mean, an eye for talent. Oh, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think so. And interestingly enough, just earlier this year in February, uh, the National Comedy Center, and I didn't know that it was a thing, located in Jamestown, New York, happen, it happens to be the United States official cultural institution dedicated to the art form of comedy, and it is an art form, and you can't argue this. They announced that it will be the permanent home of an extensive archive from In Living Color. And it, all the material has been donated by the series co-creator and producer, Tamara Rowett. That's cool. And that includes like scripts and storyboards and things of that nature. I feel like that's absolutely perfect. Because you can't say that this show isn't groundbreaking. And yeah. listen, like I said, listening friends, if you really want to look at it, which I know you do, you can find it somewhere. And you'll have to agree here because if there wasn't in living color and living color and the Wayne's family, there would have been no Dave Chappelle. There would have been no Key and Peele. So all the stuff that we've been looking at for the past 30 years are direct as far as sketch comedy shows, especially those that are primarily African American casted. They owe a debt to in living color because there was nothing like it. Yeah. And they pushed some boundaries and for a good while they won and we're all the better for it. So. Yes. Definitely that. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I guess I'm going to say, let me show you something. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, with the extremities of our emancipation as we proticulated mm-hmm. this nasal capacitation mm-hmm. from the past, Mm-hmm. We dissimulated mm-hmm. and hecumulated mm-hmm. for your enjoymentation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. 
So, yes. and we appreciate <laughs> we appreciate your participation in this particular proliferation of this information. Yes, that was surprisingly also sounded like Jesse Jackson. Oh, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I know that probably isn't what you were going for, but. (laughs) I mean, if it can serve two purposes at once, why not? (laughs) Multi-use is in. So with that, friends, (laughs) we'll sign off and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com slash kenyatta-jack-save-the-world, or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.